1: eyes. It's half past midnight, and you're listening to The Ghost Story Guys. Welcome to The Ghost Story Guys. I'm Brendan Storr. I'm Paul Bestall. And this is the show where we talk about spooks, specters, and all the other things watching us from the shadows beyond the campfire. Some conversations only make sense after the sun has set, and this is most definitely one. Thanks for tuning in. This is episode number 138 we're coming to you from that tiny mountain cabin you dream about, but can never quite reach. How are you, Paul?
2: We're very well. We've survived the jubilee. Things are good.
1: Fantastic. I have survived my first plane trip since, uh, <laughs> since COVID. I've gone to Calgary then in, in here in Canada and come back. I was visiting a friend of mine, the artist Moonrunner83, who we've played on the show before. And I was saying to you, it was weird because I find Victoria a very unfriendly place, which is you know where I live. So going somewhere where people actually say hi was very strange. Mm,
2: I'm like that when I go to Rotherham,
1: <laughs> the chatty place in Rotherham. Is <laughs> there, like someone talking to you while someone's trying to grab your wallet. No comment. Fair. We know they're very litigious in Rotherham.
2: Yeah, and I never take my wallet there.
1: There we go. Shots fired on Rotherham. <laughs> <laughs> Our niche UK crowd is loving this. <laughs> Speaking of of litigious people, we've got a great story. We're not going to be sharing it on this show, but someone called it into the ghost line, and we're going to be sharing it. I'm I'm trying to put together an LA Part Four episode, mm. uh, so we're going to save it for then because it it, it deals with a uh, a fantastic story from Hollywood and involves a notoriously litigious church, and I'm sure mm. you know who I'm referring to when I say that.
2: No. Not at all. (laughs) Put the gun down, Mr. (laughs) Cruz. Woo! (laughs) Hey! Woo!
1: Hey! This is sapping us both. We're going to keep doing this for hours. Hey!
2: (laughs) Woo! (laughs)
1: Hey! (laughs) But yeah, so that's going to be coming up. We actually had uh, three really great stories coming on the ghost line that we're going to be sharing on future episodes. So thanks to everyone who called in. And if you have a story you want to share, you know, you don't want to write in, we usually talk about this in the C segment, but I know a lot of folks dip out before then. So if you got a story you want to share, you don't want to write, you can always call. It's 1-888-588-6920. And I believe you get three minutes before it times out, but you can call as many times as you like, leave your story as one or a series of voicemails. And we love getting them uh, really. And like I said, we're going to be sharing some of them on upcoming shows. Speaking of upcoming shows, we have a very special guest coming up. Next episode, if all goes well, we're not going to say just in case because you know sometimes scheduling things do happen. But uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be very surreal if that all comes off. Speaking of surreal, so I, I had this crazy synchronicity when I was in Calgary. I was I was out walking. You know, we had a there was a day where Nick had to go home early because she had to be at work for Monday. So I stuck around for Sunday, and I was just kind of walking around, getting the lay of the land because you know it's one of the places I'm considering spending a little time. You know, once um kind of in the fall. And as I'm walking, I have my headphones in, I'm listening to tunes. And I, I, I thought I heard someone go Brennan. I thought, no, (laughs) no, there's no way. But I took out my headphones, looked around and there is a guy, I won't say who, but it's one of my old classmates from high school. I haven't seen this guy in like 15, 16 years. I, I, I know both him and his wife and, um, haven't seen them for ages. And they're just across the street with their kids who are way, way too adult old and reminded me exactly how old I was. (laughs) but um
2: (laughs) oh how my heart
1: bleeds (laughs) they, they came over and we had a chat and uh the first thing he brought up was the fact that i directed him in my first student film back when we were in school and it was an adaptation of a short story it was a stephen king short story and it's a terrible film and it's it's long gone but um the reason that's kind of a funny synchronicity is i am in the middle of building all these audio dramas which I have been directing different voice actors in, you know? So it was kind of funny. The first thing he says is, you know, I'm, I'm hip deep in these projects, which I haven't been doing for about two years. And the first thing he says is, remember when you directed me in that weird short movie we made? And it was just it was a real blast from the past. And I got to tell you, man, I am glad that is gone. <laughs> Holy shit. It was terrible. <laughs> Not only that, but um, I, because Revelstoke secondary school, we didn't get, you know, Modern technology until I was in basically grade 12. It was time to go. But um, my final project for drama class was a variety show, like a video variety show. And it was Mm. uh, Ed the Big Smelly Bunny's variety show. (laughs) (laughs) And it it was called this because I had found this tattered, gross, beat-up old bunny costume in the back of the drama class cupboard. And so I got my friend Aaron to put on the suit and we created... Ed's the big smelly bunnies variety show. And I won't get into all of it because it's a long time ago. And you know, what was funny then is not funny now, but I will say, you know, one of my favorite segments was called Ed's in your house where one lucky fan will get his name drawn and then Ed burgles your house at the night. And so (laughs) we shot this, we shot this whole night vision thing of this guy in a bunny suit breaking into a, like jimmying a lock in a house at night. And I swear to God, we're lucky we didn't get busted. (laughs) Well, if the bears can do it over there, why not you guys? I, but, you know, I tried explaining that to the police. They were not receptive.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And so anyways, so this, this went out and it was very profane. Now, which, mm. of course, in school you can't get away with, but I, I think bleeps are very, very funny. Yes. So the version of the show that went out that was done for the project had bleeps in it. Mm. And, you know, it was received about as well as some bullshit put together by a bunch of uh, 17-year-olds can be. Mm. But I found out years later that i hadn't deleted all versions of it off the computer and apparently there was this bootleg version of it going around kids who were in the drama thing that was it didn't have any bleeps so somewhere out there there there's these kids watching this shit terrible variety show we made (laughs) with just with full profanity and some of it was yeah yeah i wouldn't say that some of those things on this show and so i i was an, an underground sensation for you know a year or two after i left high school no big deal Speaking of sensations and, and unexpected celebrity, you and I have had an un, unusual honor bestowed upon us.
2: Absolutely. It's a heartwarming honor as well. Yes.
1: Our patron, Rebecca, who is a, uh, who works at the, I believe it's the Copper County Humane Society. They have named two rescue kittens after us, Brennan and Paul. And apparently Brennan likes to bolt, which, you know, eh, it happens. <laughs> you know, emotionally, if not physically.
2: Yes. It's, I feel deeply honored. So, thank you, Rebecca. And anybody that works in that line of work uh, has my utmost respect. Absolutely.
1: You know, since we've had this honor bestowed upon us, I thought, why not an episode about strange animals?
2: Well, I did meet a dog the other day called Douglas. Oh, okay. Did he tell you that was his name? No, his owner did. Okay. The dog. Of course, he's not going to tell me his name. (laughs) Well, Sheffield's a strange place,
1: Paul. I don't know. Sometimes I never know what you're going to tell me. It's not weird. Oh, it's not Rotherham. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, on this episode, we're going to be telling stories of strange animals. Uh, Before we get there, though, we have to thank our patrons. But before even that, we have a piece of news. From here on out, including this episode, our permanent composer is the artist Rainy Days for Ghosts. And Rainy Days for Ghosts is a project of Jerry Smith. Jerry is a film composer and journalist based in southern california and so we're very very happy to have jerry on board again extraordinarily talented guy i look forward to seeing what he comes up with for the show and so all the musical stylings you hear aside from the main theme and the ghost line theme and the uh stories theme all of everything else will be composed by jerry so if you want to hear more from him head to rainydaysforghosts.bandcamp.com and we'll mention him again at the end of the show and and the top of all coming shows as well so welcome jerry now it's time to thank our patrons
2: this one's for
1: the patrons patrons it goes like this you're our fourth our fifth our minor fall our major lift (laughs) and without you we would just be baffled kings composing hallelujah beautiful (laughs) thank you and while of course we'd like to thank all our patrons we'd especially like to thank our latest patrons they are Natasha Bessel, Kim DeVernis,
2: Tez Fay, Autumn, Samantha Ellis, Amy Chamberlain, Gareth Lloyd, Heather Hunter, Rebecca Cuevas, Lizzie Ankerson, Erin
1: Biddle, Stacy Edwards, and Caitlin Thorew. Guys, thank you so, so, so much. From the bottom of our terrible, terrible hearts, without you, the show wouldn't exist. Of course, everyone who listens to the show, all of you help make this show what it is, but Patrons are the ones who pay the bills and truly allow it to continue, and for that we are eternally grateful. If you listen to the end of the show, we'll tell you about all the cool shit you get, but we will say, for only a dollar a month, you get an ad-free feed. And who doesn't like that? Ads suck. Although I'm pretty pleased about the ad we have on this episode. (laughs) For more info, head to patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys, or again, listen to the end of the show where we'll tell you more. But for now, we're going to take a quick break and be right back with email and stories of strange animals. Welcome back. As we said on this episode, we're going to be telling stories of strange animals. But before we get there, we have uh, email, of course. But also, something funny happened. Paul and I just—I didn't have a chance to mention it in the A segment. So one of our patrons is is Joseph Camo. I also do the uh, web show Weird Together with him. Which, folks, mm-hmm. if you're not watching, it's a ton of fun. I just recorded a it's like a three minute video which had me singing a song about Bigfoot. I mean, singing in heavy quotations, but you know.
0: Mm.
1: Uh, Joseph has asked me to sit in on discussions for a class he's teaching on the paranormal this summer. So it's sort of about the nature of paranormal belief in America. And so I'm kind of sitting in on discussions, answering questions, kind of offering the perspective of someone who's lived in that world for a few years now. And last night was the first real Q and a session was the first real, we, we talked about the first chapter in the book they're covering. And what was fascinating for me was realizing, oh boy, I live in an echo chamber when it comes to the paranormal. Mm. Because, you know, if I, with like the top five people in my phone book who I deal with, who I talk to on work-related stuff, if I say cryptid, they're going to say, oh, which one? And (laughs) Joseph asked the class, who here knows what a cryptid is? And it was just baffled faces on webcams. Not a single one of them knew the term at all. What? I know. It was bizarre. It was like, it was like being on another planet. And I realized, oh, Jesus, we live in a very closed ecosystem. They were asked, "Can you give an example of a cryptid?" And I think we got a Loch Ness monster and Bigfoot. I think that's as far
2: as we got. Well, you know. that's 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 two of your top five, really. That's the the Beatles and the and the Stones. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I just it was it was staggering
1: to realize how much of a how much of a closed loop we live in with this stuff. Because again, for me, it's just yeah, oh yeah, no, what, what cryptid are we talking about? Jersey Devil, sure, yeah, okay, yeah, but nope, uh, total blank faces. And so that was that was a fa- good reminder, a good reminder. <laughs>
2: Perhaps it's a good social experiment for the listeners there. Go into a, a, a public area and just shout out, who knows what Bigfoot is? And, and the people that respond are, are worth knowing. That, that is open to some debate,
1: depending on where it is you're shouting that. Because <laughs> it is my experience that the people who want to talk to you in public are often not the
2: people you want to speak to. Or they might be into really extreme four by fours.
1: Yeah, neither of these are, neither of these are great. It's a bad idea, yeah, so, I scratch that. Yeah, yeah. Caveat emptor there. Shattered right. Over Demon instead. This is getting worse. You've been watching too much Stranger
2: Things. So You've just got this whole Eddie Munson, <laughs> Eddie Munson thing on your brain. I can't watch any more Stranger Things. I've watched that much. I've watched that much. I am in the Upside Down. Well, that's how you ended up on these calls, so. <laughs> well, there are very strange things that have been going on out, outside of the show this week anyway, so uh, as we both got an email that made me think that the world had gone mad.
1: Oh, man. Uh, folks, okay, we will share this with you briefly before we go to the email. We don't have a ton of email this time around, anyways. I wanted to keep it light, but uh, we both got <laughs> e offer emails from OnlyFans <laughs> trying to sell their services as like a pot, like a, po- a platform also for podcasters. Mm, you know, that's like, how they it, you in. Yeah, yeah, and then I'm you know slowly rubbing my nips, sun camera, you know. <laughs> Again, I'm just ordered my Bigfoot suit. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to Sax Squatch <laughs> playing the Hill Street Blues theme. He's got like a thong on. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, I'm actually going to set up a call. I want to have a call with them just to say I did. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's not going down because I, I went and looked through their literature and the examples they give like, oh, we're also home to podcasters. Well. I'd like to point out those podcasters are gorgeous young women in bikinis. So I think there might be, maybe the podcast is not the most important part of what I could be wrong, but I I think there is perhaps another element that you and I cannot bring to, uh, to that service, or or maybe we can, maybe there's a market out there I'm unaware of, but I, I am not, there is, there has been no one in my 39 years so far clamoring for, uh, revealing photos of myself.
2: Hmm. it has been a while since I've worn a bikini so I'm I'm not sure I'm comfortable slipping back into that to be fair oh god I don't know if I've recovered yet but uh <laughs> you, you do you it's always a bit more prominent to be fair
1: <laughs> so yeah so it, 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 that's you're, you're unlikely to see a ghost story guys only fans but uh, who knows bikini. maybe if their sales pitch is really good I sort of imagine him being kind of stunned when he sees that you know looking like a like a dog who's finally caught a car, like, oh, yeah, this is what these guys look like? Fuck, Never mind. <laughs> My webcam turns on, he just exits, exits the Zoom room and th- throws his computer in the trash. Well, <laughs> with those unsettling images planted firmly in your mind, it's time for us to check the mail. Our courteous and efficient staff is on call 24 hours a day to serve all your supernatural elimination needs. We're ready to believe you. Alrighty, So like I said, we kept it light on the mail this time because we wanted to uh, have a, well, a slightly, a slightly shorter show. And so we have, we have three emails
2: for you. And uh, the first one is from Donna. I'm laid up with what's probably COVID. So I've been working my way through your back catalog. I wanted to tell you, I love your episode, Dal G for Ghost. I agree with you that there is a unique quality of these ghost in the machine type stories. They always give me a chill. I wondered if you had read this story from 2008. Cell phones, calls after death. When I found it, I was in undergrad and obsessed with Snopes. I'd had it bookmarked this entire time. Sometimes in my more maudlin moods, it brings a tear to my eye. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Thanks as ever for all you do. Keep up the great work. So thank you, Donna.
1: And um, I'm going to include a link to this
2: article in the show notes. And it's,
1: it's a really fascinating piece. I
2: love stuff like this. Yeah. So this is a very interesting incident from there was a horrific train crash in the States in 2008. And there was a gentleman on this train called Charles Peck. And this crash was horrific. It was a head-on collision between a, a passenger train and a, uh, I think a, just a, a utilities wagon. And they basically missed a red light running head-on into each other. Oof. And I think- 25 people were killed on the train. It was about 150 injured as well. And um, however, as the emergency services were trying to get everybody out, Charles Peck, who is the the main character in this story, his family and friends, like his mom, his partner, his, um, I'm not sure if it was his brother, all got calls from his cell phone. And when they'd answer it, it was just like static. And when they rang it back, it went straight to his voicemail. I think it took them poor oh, 12 hours to reach where he was because they were able to track him using the cell phone signal. And I think he was in the first carriage. He was, he was killed almost instantly. But wow. for the 12 hours after the, the accident, his phone had kept dialing people. That is fascinating shit. It's
1: something that is documented. It happened. And you could say that well, this person just, you know, like their phone was damaged and so kept dialing people. But I would say, you know, did they dial everyone in his phone book or was it just the family? You know, Mm -hmm. and if it was just the family, I think that's telling.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I love stories like that. There are so many weird ones over the years. And obviously one of the most highly controversial paranormal books ever, Phone Calls from the Dead, which was written by two eminent parapsychologists in the 1970s, um, has seen a lot of for all built up over the years because of this particular subject. Really? How so? For a lot of people, uh, one of the guys that that co-wrote the book was uh, a gentleman called D. Scott Rogo. Rogo was was quite a prominent member of the paranormal community in the 70s and and 80s until his mysterious death in 1990. But um, he co-authored a book with a guy called Robert Bayliss, I think it is, who wrote it. And and essentially, they they collected a large amount of stories from people who claimed to have telephone calls in those days, you know, 1979, from lost loved ones. So they'd be at home, the phone would ring, and it'd be somebody who'd passed away talking to them. Oh, okay. But a lot of people thought that Rogo had made most of it up or just accepted any old nonsense. Oh, okay. Um, But obviously, Rogo is as mysterious in life as he was in death because he was found stabbed to death in his house, um, <laughs> oh, Jesus. aged 40 and, uh, his mystery to this day remains unsolved. And the man that was originally commit, uh, charged with his murder was freed on a, uh, basically it was a, a, a setup and no one has ever been found who killed him. Fascinating.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Donna, for, for bringing this up, letting us talk about it. And again, I'll list that article in the show notes. Alright, so our next piece of email is from Ellen. Ellen, and now we've told story a story from Ellen on a previous show, so Ellen is following up. Ellen says, I asked if my daughter is still having the dream about a man floating down the street to our house. Paul said he would be interested to know if the man gets nearer in each dream. She says that at first he was in the middle of the road, a fair distance away, but has managed to get to the front door of the house in her dream, and she is battling to close the door when she wakes up. She can be having a totally normal dream, and then she will hear someone calling her name, and then she stood in front of the house and the cycle begins again. She said she thinks he's a Russian soldier, but I'm assuming she could have picked that up just because of the war with Ukraine being on the news constantly. Thank you for your responses. It is nice to communicate with people who won't judge. Yeah, absolutely, Ellen. We try, we try not to do that. And um, that is really interesting stuff. Like the fact he gets closer, I don't like that at all.
2: That's what I suspected. Oh, you did, eh? It just seemed a peculiar dream to have without it sort of developing. If she was having it having it regularly, for me, I presumed probably, <laughs> frighteningly, <laughs> that there must be some kind of method in this, and therefore that's just confirmed what I believed. Have you exp- have you encountered anything like this before? Um, no, but it just it it was just the, the, the Ellen's description in the original correspondence. I just really wanted to know more because like I say I suspected that there was some kind of evolution to this dream. Um I'm no expert as you know as we've mentioned many a times I'm crap at dreaming. Um I mean I told you about that really weird one I had the other week. Um so uh, Oh yes. <laughs> with the serial killer cleaning lady. So um I, I just found it really fascinating, so I wanted to know more because things like that i I, I think that there there is some reason for it, but I'm nowhere I'm, you know, I have no deep insight into what it could possibly mean. And for our listeners who want to know more, uh, the original story
1: Ellen sent us was episode one thirty five Poltergeists will tear us Apart, and then the follow-up email was episode one thirty seven where she uh, tells us how things had evolved because originally the story was from 2020. We incorporated it into the show, and then Ellen. Having hearing us, having heard us, finally tell it, shared how things had changed. So one thirty-five and one thirty-seven are what you want to listen to. And again, that's poltergeists will tear us apart and those who watch you sleep. I know with the new numbering system, the episode numbers don't really make a difference. You know, if I say one thirty-eight, it doesn't really help because they're all broken up into seasons now. Thank you, iTunes. (laughs) But uh, that's that's where you can find those. And thank you, Ellen. I, I I again, please keep us keep us updated. That is really, really interesting.
2: Our final email is from Terry. And Terry says, Thank you for reading my story and email. I was so excited when I heard you read my stories. You made my day both times. My story was the birds of superstitious mountains and to email you with a story about asking permission. Hearing you read my stories felt like the time I was a little kid. I won the red-haired, green-eyed troll doll (laughs) Digressing. <laughs> Sorry, I've just read that, line. <laughs> Hearing you read my stories felt like the time I was a little kid when I won the red-haired, green-eyed troll doll by guessing how many gun drops were in a jar in the store. It was an incredibly happy moment. I recently became a Ghost Story Guys patron member and would like to give you guys more dollars in support of the show, but I quit my soul-crushing job last year and money is a bit tight. As a person with many paranormal experiences, I appreciate your podcast like you wouldn't believe, and will continue to support the show. Keep up the great work. Thank you very, very much, Terry. That's that's very kind.
1: And I'm trying to figure out which episode it was we shared her stories on. Okay, it was on the Abominable Mister Skin, episode one thirty-three. If you want to hear Terry's stories about the uh, superstition mountains in Arizona,
2: I presume troll dolls are the same on your side of the Atlantic as they are here the little squat guys with the big hair yes yeah that's him that's good that's all right yes see hands across the ocean <laughs> that's right if you've got a story to share
1: ghost story at gmail.com or if you have got a comment again same email address you can call the ghost line at 1 8 and we will share those accounts here on the show but for now on with the stories the turtle. This story takes place about 12 or 13 years ago, when I was a kid. I come from a less than desirable area in a small mountain community where most people, my family included, just managed to scrape by. This meant that for me and my siblings, we lived in a small house that could barely fit us, but we made it work and appreciated what our parents could do because we were still better off than a lot of the other families we knew. The winters are harsh here in the mountains, and because of the poor insulation, me and my siblings would sleep in the living room as close to the fire as possible, huddling under our one huge blanket. There's one night that sticks with me to this day, because for the life of me I still cannot fathom what I saw. I've always been a very poor sleeper, so when I woke up suddenly and felt like there was someone or something there, I initially shrugged it off. We had a few busted windows and holes in the floor which would allow the occasional possum or stray cat to wander in, and in the winter this was actually a fairly common occurrence, so yeah, that's what I expected to find, if anything. Instead, I looked around, and in the light of the TV, I saw this... thing. It had the body of a turtle, but was edgy and spiked. But not to a point, more like Mayan temples, with a face that is most comparable to... I guess sort of a lion-dragon mix? Almost like an alligator snapping turtle, in that it was large and frightening, but had a brachycephalic nose and a mouth with teeth but no beak. It was looking at my little brother and I, moving its head slowly back and forth. I lay there still and quiet, with my eyes barely open, just in case it was aggressive. I figured I could wake up my brother before the thing could hurt us. All it did, though, was glance back and forth between us a few times, and very slowly walk to the stairway that led down to the bathroom. And somehow it went down all the steps without ever making a sound. This was confusing, since my dad's friend has a large silcata tortoise, And I know that an animal with a shell that large is not graceful and should be clunking down each step, or at least the first drop. I chalked it all up to a bad dream and later came to the conclusion it must have been sleep paralysis. That is until years later when my brother and I were hanging out with friends and we all got talking about ghosts. My brother told exactly this story and how he had just closed his eyes and prayed for safety. I had never told him or anyone else's story, so he had to have been telling the truth. But what the hell did we see? And Paul, my vote here is uh, Ninja Turtles. (laughs) Ah, that takes me back. To to when you were learning Kung Fu in the sewer from Master Splinter, I assume.
2: Oh, yes, absolutely. Now I used to be obsessed with the video arcade game. Oh, the the Ninja Turtles game. Yeah, yeah. Awesome.
1: No argument here. I sometimes will play that still on emulator.
2: Yes, yeah. And obviously, yeah, the second film features Fiddler in her eyes. So why wouldn't you want to forget that? Features who? Vanilla, oh, vanilla ice. Vanilla ice. Of course.
1: Go turtle, <laughs> go turtle. Go turtle. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, enough of that. Enough of Robert. <laughs> van. No, no, let's <laughs> dig into this more. I want to get Robert a copyright man. strike so <laughs>
2: Rob Van Winkle can have some of my money. Yes. And he's pretending stab wound. Yes.
1: I, I went, I had tickets to see that guy <laughs> as part of like a 90s, like sounds of the 90s night. Yeah. And <laughs> Nick wanted to go. Otherwise I would not have bothered. But I cannot tell you what a dispiriting evening that was, because I, I it, they had the uh, "It takes two guys," you know, "It takes two to make a thing go right." Uh,
2: R- Rob Bass and um, Rob Bass and DJ. It takes two to make a thing go right.
1: That's the that one. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were there. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, thank you, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Paul Bestel. <laughs> but they were there. They were part of this thing, and. Now, I have seen a Riff Raff show where Riff Raff literally sang along to Red Hot Chili Pepper's scar tissue while swigging from a bottle of Kettle One Vodka. This was still worse. This, this was the most hands-off, hit a button on the machine, and sort of half-heartedly say the words kind of bullshit I had ever seen. And Vanilla Ice uh, was late because apparently he had gotten to the airport and forgotten his passport. So we, we ended up leaving before we ever took the stage. And I, I, I don't feel like I was robbed of anything, if I'm honest. I think, I, I think, you know, there's a lot of... The 90s now are what the 80s were a few years ago in terms of
2: nostalgia. No. The 80s are mile, miles better.
1: No argument here. <laughs> Absolutely. I was, I was barely cogent in the 80s, and I still think it's better. Because I was alive during the 90s, and the only thing the <laughs> 90s had going for it was that sensation of flying where you've jumped off the cliff and you don't realize you're actually falling yet. That's what the 90s were. <laughs>
2: You've made me think about that really bad band who had a massive hit with I Want to Sex You Up from New Jack City. I don't know that one. I'm not singing again. <laughs> I want to sex you up. Well,
1: let's see what happens when I punch this into Google. i <laughs> me oh, right back to OnlyFans. Color me bad.
2: Oh, okay. That's it. And there's a very famous video because they all fell out. Um, and essentially, there was only two of them left and they didn't look like they did in 1991 anymore, should right. we say? They basically look like they've been lost in the wildernesses of Canada, chopping wood <laughs> for 25 years. And uh, they were performing at a casino and oh, they, were singing. No. they were singing somewhere. And um, just halfway through the song, one of them just runs to the other end of the stage and just went bang, punched the other one, pushed him off the stage and ran off. Really? They've not, they've not performed together since. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I... I would
1: now that is a show I would have paid money to see. Yeah, it's on YouTube. Well, I watch that. I'm gonna watch that later. Otherwise, I'll get distracted. Anyways, back to turtles. <laughs> is there any
2: mythological significance of, of turtles? There must be. Well, in general or paranormal. Either. The most f- famous paranormal turtle is is the kappa from Japan. Oh, really? Yeah, who's a, 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 a mischievous, or some would even say dangerous, uh, river spirit. That entices people to drown themselves. Interesting. The way they described it's almost like Mayan seems
1: strange to me. It was a very unusual descriptor.
2: Mm. I mean, with it having the flat face as well, it reminded me of of the the ornamental dragons you see often from certain dynasties in China as well. So it certainly it reminds me of a very eastern looking kind of creature in regards to that.
1: Interesting. You know, I didn't, this person, when I found the story online, they didn't mention where they lived. I think yeah, if they were from as...
2: Asia, they would make the connection straight away. So I would presume they're from somewhere that's not that familiar with those cultures.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, for now,
2: I'm going to stick with Ninja Turtles, but I'm open to alternate interpretations. The Dark Months. In October 2018, I moved in with a girlfriend for the first time ever. I will call her Tanya. If I somehow could have known everything that was about to happen over the next five months, I would have stayed living alone. The night that everything started is very important and I will come back to this day later in my story. One night, Tanya's mother and brother stayed over. I wasn't feeling well, so I relaxed in our bedroom while they hung out on the porch late into the night. At one point, Tanya came in to check on me, asking if I needed anything. A little while after that, I was in bed alone, with my eyes closed and felt a hand on my arm. Opening my eyes, I could see Tanya was back, kneeling next to our bed, touching me and asking me if I needed anything. She had a really condescending look on her face, which initially annoyed me, and I replied that I was fine, closed my eyes again, hoping she'd let me rest. A minute later, I opened my eyes again because I didn't hear her leave the room or even open the door to leave. She was gone. I looked next to the bed in case she was, for some reason, laying on the floor. She wasn't. I looked at the door and saw the hallway light come on from underneath it. So I texted her to see if she had just come into the room again, but then decided against it. I didn't ask at this point because I didn't want to seem crazy to her family and I honestly knew right then that she never came into that room. A few nights after that, laying in bed with her, and feeling a hand touch my thigh. She was asleep. I told her about that first night eventually, and we both agreed it was really weird, and then just brushed it off. About a week after that first incident, I woke up in the middle of the night to see a black sphere floating in the corner of the room near the ceiling. I sat up, rubbed my eyes, and was immediately wide awake. The sphere was still there. It started to move across the room towards me, getting about a foot from my face, at which point I could stare into it. What did I see? Facial features. More lion-like than human specifically. I remember big teeth. What instantly stood out to me was that the face also looked very condescending. I felt like whatever this was, wanted me to know that it was the same thing I had crossed paths with a week prior. I told Tanya about this incident. And though she never thought I was lying, I was starting to question my own sanity. However, it wasn't long before others began to see things as well. One day, I went out on our back porch to smoke. And when I stepped outside, the porch light dimmed way down. I thought Tanya had turned on a machine in the house or something. I went to tighten the bulb, but there was a glass fixture around it that was screwed in, and I didn't feel like getting a screwdriver. A minute later on, the light came back on to full strength anyway. The porch cannot be accessed from anywhere but inside the apartment. It's screened in and there's no door to the outside. The next day I got home from work and went to the porch. The glass fixture that was screwed in tightly just the night before was smashed to pieces, and I don't mean just below to where it was. It was smashed far across the porch. It was a nice day outside too, with almost no breeze. For her part... Tanya eventually saw a water bottle get smacked off the dresser when I was in the bathroom. One night, I woke up because it sounded like someone was throwing pebbles from across the room and they were hitting the headboard. I sat up several times, looking around. I'd lay down and it would start again. I then started to hear whispering from across the room, which grew louder and louder. I sat up. It began to be loud enough to make out that it was a man's voice and it was not speaking English. This is when I got really scared for the first time. I went to wake Tanya up, but couldn't move. I sat there, frozen. The voice overwhelmed me. It was like it was stronger than me. Finally, my joints began to work again. I was drenched in sweat and completely drained. I went right back to sleep, not bothering to wake Tanya or to even tell her the next day. I want to mention that as things got weirder in the apartment, my relationship with Tanya became more toxic. I had feelings of anger I'd never felt before and our fights were out of control. I had never reached this point in a relationship before. When we would make up and be hugging it out or crying, almost like clockwork, shit would get smashed in the house. Dishes, lamps, anything. I am positive that whatever we were dealing with did not want anything good between her and I. One time, I woke up in the middle of the night feeling pressure on the mattress next to me. I looked to see an old man with a top hat sitting there staring at me. I jumped up and yelled. He casually stood up and put on his coat that he had laying across his lap. He walked out of the room and took a left. I jumped out of bed and followed as fast as possible. I was shocked to see him walking across the living room. So I ran up behind him to swing and he disappeared. I called paranormal investigators and set a date for mid-February. Now, I had a cruise to go on with my friend in January, and Tanya was not happy about it, especially with where our relationship was at. She did not stay there while I was away. The morning before the trip, I was up early packing in the spare room. Tanya was asleep in bed. All of a sudden, it sounded like an avalanche was happening in our bedroom, and Tanya screamed my name loudly. As I ran across the living room to get to the bedroom, I noticed what seemed like just a wave of energy, I suppose. It started at our bedroom door where the commotion was and began moving away from it. This literally knocked the wind out of me and I saw or heard it knocking into everything in the room as it moved. Tanya was crying in fear. A lamp lay broken on the floor. I don't know why, but this was the incident that scared me the most. I think it's because I was so awake and alert. It wasn't at night. Then came the cruise which was almost like a normal week until the night I woke up to my friend standing next to my bed. I freaked out and when I did he woke up, from his actual bed, so he hadn't been standing there at all. My friend says that when he first woke up, he saw a black shadow figure standing next to my bed. Oddly enough, this was more than a year ago and the last thing that happened. I got back home and after a month of no activity, I cancelled the investigators.
1: Hopefully those two also broke up because that sounded like a terrible, terrible situation that uh, neither of them wanted to be the one to bail on. And I've been there, but Jesus Christ! Now, did that sound poltergeisty to you, Paul? It sounded like something was feeding off something. Yeah, so not necessarily poltergeisty, but that sort of adjacent, maybe.
2: It's certainly in the realms of it. Obviously, you do occasionally see things or figures during poltergeist infestations. Um, so it, it, it's got all the ingredients for. You know, mysterious voices, strange bangs, objects being broken, shadowy figures being seen lurking about. I thought it was interesting that he, both times
1: he saw something, it appeared to be really condescending. And Hmm. and I'd never really heard that used before in the paranormal context.
2: Well, to be fair, I
1: wouldn't be surprised if there are condescending ghosts. Interesting. I never thought about that.
2: Why wouldn't there be? Good point. I guess there's no reason to think (laughs) that the dead would be any nicer than we are. (laughs) <laughs> you can still have shitty opinions, even from the, even in the afterlife. How boring
1: is your afterlife that this is something that you think is worth your time? You know, you know what? There in the great haze between worlds, I see a guy who's f- having a little bit of a man cold. Time to go traumatize him for the rest of his life.
2: You wearing those shoes with those jammers?
1: No wonder you're sick. <laughs> it's a wonder you get laid at all, Buster. <laughs> And of course, you know, this, this is the, one of the reasons I included this was because of the facial features in the black sphere. And I've never seen that. I have never seen a story. I've seen stories of spheres. Of course, we've talked about orbs. I know a woman who used to wake up in the night and there would be a red sphere in the corner of her room, almost like it was watching her, hmm. but never one where, you know, it was a black sphere and something appeared to be reflected in it. I've never seen that. And again, the fact that it was more lion-like than human, it echoes the last story, echoes our final story. It's such an unusual thing to seize on.
2: Mm, it is. It's peculiar. I mean, often you'll see strange balls and shimmering lights and things, but for something to be that darkly reflective is extremely unusual. Yeah, It reminds me a little of Phantasm. Yes. That was exactly where I was thinking of, but thankfully without the end result. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't have a drill. Well, mind
1: you, this thing drilled into his brain figuratively. So yes. Mm-hmm. Maybe Don Coscarelli's on something. And there's a toll, man. <laughs> yeah, there, Jesus Christ, it's all coming together. And I mean, Phantasm, the initial idea for Phantasm, folks, if you, know, if you don't know what you're talking about, look it up. It's a brilliant series of horror movies. They're actually all pretty solid. Mm-hmm. And uh, the original idea for it came from a dream. Mm. Like the strongest images in those movies, the sphere, the, 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 the sort of marble hallway. All that came from a dream that Coscarelli once had. So maybe this that imagery just existed out there and this poor bastard's got to live it. Mm-hmm. Maybe. All right, before we get to the next story, we're going to take a quick break for a word from this episode's sponsor, Jim Harold's Campfire.
2: <laughs> uh, hey, hey, Paul, what's with the skeleton? Well, I've run out of spooky stories to listen to at work, right? So I've decided to create my own by rigging up this skeleton... That's gonna fly out at my co-workers. Is that legal? For your sake, I hope so. Because I've written property of Brennan Store in permanent marker on both of the femurs. I do have priors for skeleton-related crime. You do. Look, if you like stories of the
1: strange and unexplained, why don't you just download Jim Harold's Campfire? What's Jim Harold's Campfire? It's a call-in spooky storytelling show hosted by veteran podcaster Jim Harold. The concept is simple. Every week for 90 minutes, Jim talks to regular people about the strange stuff that's happened to them. We cover ghosts, UFOs, cryptids, and Sometimes even things we don't have names for.
2: It sounds appealing, but the last thing I need is a show where the host plays things up. Oh God forbid, uses a lot of spooky music or sound effects. You know that my arch nemesis is.
1: Yeah, the sound effect guy from Police Academy, I know. His people keep sending those cease and desist orders. Never. Anyways, you don't have to worry, because Jim doesn't do any of that stuff. He lets the stories speak for themselves. In fact, Den of Geeks said Jim Harrell's campfire is perhaps the best tool we currently have in existence to hear real-life scary stories from other human beings since the actual campfire was invented.
2: This is all sounding good to me. Where can I find it? If you love ghost stories, and I know you do,
1: follow Jim Harold's Campfire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to Ghost Story
2: Guys. Perfect. Now what are we are going to do with this skeleton? Well, it is already rigged up.
0: You read my mind. Ow! Bloody hell! Run! Get the femurs!
1: Mr. Wolf. My daughter, who is two years old when it started, talks about seeing things in the mirror in her room. At first we figured it was just make-believe, but eh, then it got a little more weird. Details. One day she was in her crib, which is right by a wall that is mostly mirror. It's two mirror doors and a sliding closet. She pointed at the mirror and asked me, do you see the doggy?" I was confused. I asked her if she meant her stuffed dog. Uh, which was one of a few different stuffed animals, but not currently in sight. She insisted, no, no, in the mirror, and kept pointing as though a dog was sitting right by the mirror or, or inside it. At the time, we used to turn on red lights as a nightlight for her, and she said, he likes the red lights. And in her garbled way, she also said, he comes and sits when you go away. Now, we read to her a lot, but she doesn't watch much in terms of video or TV. She speaks well for her age, but she doesn't generally make up stories. I was a little spooked, but she didn't seem to be afraid, so we put her to bed normally and went about our night. I mentioned it to my wife, but eh, we didn't think too much of it. About an hour after she fell asleep, she woke up screaming, which was not something she usually did. Not just crying, but screaming, and very distressed. No, 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 she seemed to be saying. We watched the monitor for a moment, wondering if we should go in, then my wife gasped, and my own heart skipped a beat because we saw something. It looked like two white lights chasing each other through the air. My wife later said that she thought someone was in the room, that she saw a foot. We bolted in there and turned on the lights. My daughter was crying uncontrollably, and when she calmed down, she wouldn't say anything but look traumatized, just staring at the wall. We moved her crib into our room for the night, and both felt really disturbed. I've thought about it a lot, and I can't figure out how those lights could have appeared in the room the way they did. We've seen dust floating and glowing, but this was very different. The next day I asked her about it and she said, it was a wolf. I have no idea where she got the idea of a wolf from. There's nothing like that in the books we read to her. And again, she doesn't really watch movies and TV. Then she said, the little one was there and the big wolf came and they fought. She had never said anything like this before, especially about fighting. We couldn't really get anything else out of her about it. She never brought it up again. However, she has mentioned a few times that there is a man in the mirror. She said, he talks to me a lot. She also often insists on showing things to the mirror. Once we put her in a new dress and she said, I have to show the mirror. So I held her up in the bathroom mirror, but she insisted this wasn't the mirror she wanted. She wanted to show the mirror in her room. Once she found an ornament of a little dog and said, I show this to the mirror and ran into the room. And she came right back out and said, No dogs. The mirror says no dogs. Last night, she was calling to us after we put her down and asking us to protect her, just casually sing saying, without fear, Mommy, Daddy, protect me. So we came in and asked what she meant. And she said, There's a lion, and pointed to the mirror. So we sort of played along and shooed it away, which made her smile and get back into bed. It was now a toddler bed that she'd been in for a few weeks. I was a bit on edge because the dog thing in the past had been a precursor to weirdness. Sure enough, an hour after my wife went to bed I was up working when I heard a thump and my daughter started crying loudly. I rushed in and she'd fallen out of her bed. It may have just been a coincidence, but she had not fallen out before. Today I asked her if we should cover the mirror with a curtain. She said yes, that it's scary sometimes. She said she saw a monster, but then she said we can open the curtain sometimes to say hello. I asked her who we would say hello to. She said, Mr. Wolf. She seems not to be scared of Mr. Wolf, but she also said that he is not nice. And there's a lot going on there, Paul. I I love the fact that these folks heard her screaming and watched the baby monitor first (laughs) to see whether or not this had to be dealt with. Like, uh, you know, it's 30, it's 20 feet down the hallway. I just sat down and poured myself a drink. I'm sure she's screaming in terror for entirely innocent reasons.
2: Yeah. Dinner party parenting. When everybody's got a glass of wine around the table and then eventually people start looking at each other and going, oh, I'll go then. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I guess I'll deal with this. And again, we have another goddamn lion. You know, like, paranormally speaking, it's just, I don't, I don't, I don't have a box for this. Despite, yeah. again, having my own weird experience when I was a kid, which I'll talk about you know, after the final story. This is all really new to me, the whole lion thing. Have you heard about any of this prior, prior to discussing it on the show?
2: Not in Western traditions, no. Interesting. Where have you seen the lion turn up? Uh, Africa. Oh, really? Yeah, symbolisms of, of um, very similar to, to Native American cultures where you have a connection with certain animals and you will see, see them as a guide or a, or a protector in certain cultures, in certain African tribes. Very similar to, ironically, to the to the way certain Native American and First Nations tribes see the wolf. Oh, okay. Which I found very interesting. Yeah, because, you know, the wolf seemed sentient. You know, she seemed to have a relationship
1: with this wolf. You know, it wasn't just like a a kid's ghost story. There there seemed to be some
2: intelligence there. Hmm. Well, there seems to be a whole procession of characters that live in this mirror. True, yeah. Two wolves, a lion, a man.
1: And one of whom does not like dogs. And the fact him. that her, her nightlight is a red, how diabolical is that? Like sweet dreams, enjoy the horror show. You know, we're just going to turn on <laughs> the blood light, right? Like I, I've got uh, red led lights in my living room, you know, but that's because I'm stupid and I enjoy terrorizing myself, but I, I don't know why you would do this to a child. No wonder she's seeing shit in the mirror. <laughs>
2: to be fair. When I was, when I was a child, I had a red light. Really? Yeah, my my light was red for about four years. Did your mom just really like the police or something? What what was the reason for this? <laughs> I I just wanted a red light. Okay, I can't tell you why. I just thought it was cool. I think it's kind of fascinating that both you and I like
1: red lights because <laughs> my, my LEDs I can turn them to literally what you know any color I want. But no, no, what red? Let's watch a horror movie. Let's go watch uh, Hell House LLC again. Pop on the red lights and just wake up about two and a half hours later, thinking you are legitimately in hell.
2: (laughs) Blue is my favorite color, but I like red light, strangely. I found, and I think this is a
1: blue light thing. I found if I put the LEDs on blue, I cannot fall asleep. Mm. But red, red just, I don't know, allows you to kind of drift away. And Mm. you you eventually get used to everything looking like some
2: kind of Boschian nightmare. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know if. If anybody else went through a red light phase, I'm not sure.
1: Tell us. Yeah. What is your, do you have, did you have a red light phase that did not involve that <laughs> terrible Robert De Niro ghost film of the same name? <laughs> it's interesting too, that the wife saw, thought she saw someone in the room, specifically that she saw a foot. Cause that, that kind of takes it beyond just, okay, we saw an orb or the little girl said she saw something, you know, the mother specifically thought, oh, that's, that's a person in the room. So like, there's something something manifesting at some point
2: hmm. i think also it's one of those cases where when you look at what they're saying and what the child's reporting my first thought was well, why why the hell is this mirror still in the room well yes that is a question i, I guess if the closet
1: if it's you know like a part of the closet door you can't do anything about it but i would find a way man you can with a hammer <laughs> you can fix many, a lot of things with a hammer i
2: guess <laughs> yes you can
1: That sounded vaguely threatening. Good to know. No more jokes about Paul's pink
2: shirts. (laughs) Dream Journeys Have you ever had a dream that was not really a dream? I did, years ago, after my ex-boyfriend left my dorm room. He left and I nodded off to sleep, only to wake up to a man who was the colour of clouds floating in my room through the window. I watched him enter, then talked to him, not with my mouth, but in my mind. Somehow I felt I knew this man. The air around him was peaceful, unique and different. He talked to me about things I cannot remember. But when he was leaving, I wanted to go with him. And he said it was not my time yet. He had plans for me. It was several years later when I saw this man again, and in multiple situations. These times. I knew it was not a dream at all, but it was very real, even though I only saw his head without the body. One was in the plexiglass of a bus stop booth, and the other time was in the sky. This was the time he introduced me to a man with the head of a lion. This lion man was peering out of me from inside of a ship. No words were ever said or spoken in my head, he just watched me as I watched him. I saw and heard this lion man several times after that. One time he came near me to look and smile, but words were not communicated. The world is so strange and we can encounter entities or enter our world in the blink of an eye, and yet we are afraid to tell anyone. We're afraid of name-calling and ridicule. But I believe in due time, we will know why this is happening.
1: While well, I do not share that person's optimism, I, I am, again, fascinated by yet another appearance, this time in a dream, sure, but yet another appearance of this Lion Man imagery.
2: I think if you pull out the the believers of of the, the connected theory and the trickster phenomenon and everything, then they will say it's just presenting itself in a way that this person wishes it to be seen as. However, I've not heard of many people who claim to be having encounters with lion people in the sky.
1: No, nope. no, that's a new one. Although I was looking around while you were reading that. And apparently there is a very ancient sculpture that's uh, between 35 and 40,000 years old. And it is a sculpture, in a, I believe I'm from a mammoth tusk, mammoth ivory, of a lion man. It's a, a human body with a lion head. And apparently there is in the Hindu religion, Narasimha, and I'm probably mispronouncing that, but uh, it is the man lion. It is an avatar of the Hindu god Vishnu. One who who incarnates in the form of part lion and part man to destroy evil and end religious persecution and calamity on earth, thereby Mm. restoring dharma. So interesting that, you know, again, I had never heard of this. This was literally a quick Google while you were talking, but Mm. there are, this is obviously an enduring image in our culture, in in cultures across the world.
0: Mm.
1: You know, I I sort of thought maybe there's some kind of like Aslan thing going on or something, but clearly that's not the case because this is a very, very old image.
2: I mean, there are sort of man-beast gods of all varieties in quite a lot of religions of a certain era. Prior to doing the show, I would have thought, "Oh, okay, well, this is,
1: you know, this is just something that they're doing." You know, like this is they just uh, this is a story we cooked up. But clearly, this has happened enough throughout history that I, I have to wonder if there's there's more going on. Mm. You know, like again, if if there is some kind of objective reality to the whole lion man thing, to the idea of like this being that maybe this is the only way we can perceive it as part, mm-hmm. part lion, part man, you know, other mm-hmm. than, I mean, maybe in a sideways, you know, a sideways dimension, someone got real freaky out there in, uh, in the Serengeti,
2: but I'm, I'm hoping that's not the case. <laughs> Who knows? I, I mean, like I say, in, in the world of the trickster, anything is possible to some people, if you believe in that hypothesis. I can't say I'm all on board with that. However, clearly, it's it's an image that's embedded in human culture for millennia.
1: When you say you're not much of a believer in the trickster idea, can you expand on that a little bit?
2: Um, yeah, I think it's a very easy out to say everything's connected and it's all the same thing doing it. Right, 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 right. That makes sense. It just removes any possibility of clarification, doesn't it? You just go, oh, well, it's all interdimensional bastards. yeah
1: Yeah. interdimensional bastards is my new band name
2: (laughs) i just think it's one of those explanations that it's just a catch-all isn't it It covers everything
1: oh yeah yeah it's a little bit like that you know they talk there's that meme going around which explains things like is it it is what it is it's kind of they call them thought terminating cliches Mm. and it's kind of like the same thing oh trickster yeah you know it's it's just it's a way to just end the conversation without actually having to expend any mental energy
2: yeah and i think often it's easier to just go for that explanation than to think that several things completely unconnected might be happening at the same time for whatever reason you know i know that the paranormal is
1: so often people strive for this one unified idea like one unified solution mm-hmm. and i'm not sure why because very little in the world in you know, like the natural order of things is explainable with one single unified theory. You know, it's, it's a bunch of component parts I and mean, they're all influenced by each other, but there's no one unifying factor. It's a bunch of different things kind of balanced together. So I don't know why the paranormal would be any different.
2: Yeah, exactly. And the other aspect of this is that if they can manifest as a UFO, why are they bothering knocking on Mrs. Miggins's bedside table at three in the morning? I mean, what's all that about? Wouldn't you be outside flying around the sky in a giant spaceship flashing your lights. I know I would.
1: All right, so one more ad break. This time it's going to be randomly inserted ads. I hope it's something interesting or cool or that you can just quickly hit the skip 15 seconds ahead button so you don't have to listen to any of it. That is my preferred way to experience ads. Paula, would you like to introduce this story?
2: The Little lion
1: Man. Oh, that's bullshit. That's not, that's not what you were doing before recording at all.
2: <laughs> the Little lion
1: Man. Thank you. Enjoy the story, folks. This is our last story for tonight. This story takes place some 15 or 16 years ago, during the summer, at the Marine Corps base camp where I was stationed. My wife and I lived in base housing. This was old housing that had been built in 1942. They had been remodeled since then to modernize them and were well maintained by the base. As I was starting pre-deployment training and was preparing to leave on exercises the following week, my wife had decided to go and spend time with her family. One afternoon, I got home late and started my normal routine. A shower, followed by dinner. While showering, I kept thinking I could see a shadow in the shape of a person in my peripheral vision. Through the shower curtain, and the bathroom seemed to get darker. I pulled the shower curtain aside to see what was there, and never saw anything out of the ordinary. The shadow seemed to dissipate, and lighting in the room seemed to normalize. Granted, the lighting in the bathroom wasn't very good, and I was pretty tired and beat down after a long day of training in the hot and humid summer. I never had a bad feeling or felt anything was out of the ordinary. I just convinced myself I was exhausted, and my eyes were playing tricks on me. I finished my shower and threw on some shorts. Afterward, I went into the living room, ordered a pizza, and then crashed out hard. During my time asleep, I dreamt about a dark shadow figure that was chasing me. It was a dream where no matter how fast you ran or tried to run, you could never get away. As the figure chased me, it would make the lights go out, and I had an ominous feeling that I needed to stay in the light or it would get me. Finally, I was awakened by the sound of my pizza arriving. The dream seemed like it lasted a really long time, but I was only asleep maybe ten minutes. The pizza didn't last long, and afterward I made it through maybe one episode of the TV show I was watching before falling asleep again. A few hours later, it happened. I was awakened by something. When I opened my eyes, I was looking out the bedroom door into the hallway. At the instant I had opened my eyes, it seemed as if they had caught someone or something, a shadow maybe, moving across my doorway. I looked at the clock to check the time and it was 3.17. I remember it distinctly. As I lay there regaining my senses, I got a really bad feeling. It was such a feeling of dread, terror, and sadness as I have never felt before or since. The feeling made me nauseous, and I felt I might have to run to the bathroom to throw up. I decided to get up and investigate what I thought I'd seen. I had thrown off my covers and started to sit up when my body was slammed back down onto the bed. As I hit the bed, my eyes closed, and I could not reopen them, no matter how hard I tried. Even though I couldn't see, I could feel or sense that there were four, maybe spirits or entities, that were each holding one of my limbs. I was being held down. My limbs outstretched, my body making an X. I realized I was being attacked and that I had to do something. I struggled to break free of their grasp, but I couldn't. I tried to speak, yell, anything, but nothing came out. All I could get out was what sounded kind of like baby babble. I could feel this was very bad, but didn't know what they planned on doing to me. It was such a terrible feeling. I can't even describe it. I tried commanding the spirits to leave, but my words were all garbled. All during this time, I could hear my TV show playing in the background, so I knew I wasn't dreaming. Since speaking a prayer wasn't possible, I began trying to say it mentally, but my thoughts seemed scattered and rearranged now as well. It was then I felt a new presence enter the room. I felt this new presence had command and authority over the others. As they held me down, it put its face down close and began scanning over my body. It's hard to explain because I couldn't see anything, but I sensed it had the face of a lion. Or some kind of beast. It started at my feet and began slowly and methodically working its way up, back and forth, back and forth, as if searching for something. I tried so hard to break free from their grasp, but still couldn't free myself. As it reached my face, it stopped and stared for what seemed like forever. Finally, it started back down my body and stopped at my stomach area, just peering into me. My mind seemed to regain a little control of itself at this point. I thought to myself, I should try commanding it to leave again, and tried with all my might to sit up. At first, I began to say the command in my head. Then my mouth began to cooperate with my mind and started to say it as well. Words were still a bit jumbled, but they began to come together. Still trying to free myself with all my might, my mind regained control of my mouth and it happened. I shouted, IN THE NAME OF JESUS CHRIST I COMMAND YOU TO LEAVE. Then all of a sudden my attackers let me go and fled. Because I was trying so hard to break free, I sat up with such force I almost flung myself out of bed. Then I ran out of my room, down the hall, out my front door, into the parking lot. I didn't know what to do, but I knew it started with getting out of that house and calling my friend David, who lived nearby. Of course I ran out of my house and didn't think to grab my cell phone on the way out. In fact, I was still in nothing but PT shorts. I was going to have to go back in and get it. As I started toward the front door... I got that weird feeling on the back of my neck. The hair stood up on my arms, legs, and neck, and I began to feel sick again. I flung the front door open and ran back into my house, turning on lights as I went. As I reached my bedroom, I immediately turned on the light, ran to my nightstand, grabbed my phone, and ran back out of the house as fast as I could. I then called David, who, without any hesitation or questions, offered me a place to stay as long as I needed. He drove over to pick me up and even went inside my house to get my uniform items, shaving bag, and so on. I couldn't bring myself to go back in there. In fact, I still had a terrible feeling just being close to it. Later, at his place, I told him exactly what had transpired. He told me that he believed every word and said he had never before heard someone tell a story with such fear and conviction. I am so grateful for all that he did for me that night. Most of all, for just listening. After I had returned from training, I told my wife about the incident. As we were talking, she told me that she'd had strange things happen to her in that house as well. On a couple of occasions when I was at work, before my incident, she had gone into the bathroom to take a shower, during which she swore she saw a shadow of a person through the curtain. She just figured I'd come home for lunch and snuck into the bathroom for a quick peek and a kiss before heading back to work, which was very common. She said she spoke to me and asked if work was going, but no one would answer. She would pull the curtain back to find nothing there, and the shadow gone. Before I deployed, she again went to be with her family, and once I returned, we moved into a new residence, off base. Some skeptical friends have told me that what I experienced was just sleep paralysis, a misfiring of the brain, but I can't bring myself to believe it. Rather, I think it was something more sinister. To this day, I have not had another experience like this, nor have I ever experienced the same feeling of terror. This is the story that we had intended to tell on the last episode. And then we ran out of time. And I'm kind of glad we did because obviously it gave us more time to source out more of these stories. And there are a, a lot of these stories, a surprising number of these stories. It's a very odd phenomenon. Yeah. And, I, and like I said, prior to doing this, it, it wasn't one I had thought about much, although was, I was reminded that I had my own experience with it. And that reminder came from a listener, Severina, who got back to us on Instagram. Because this all started when I posted a reel. Uh, that someone had sent in the reel was a, a guy dressed up like a cat. Really brilliant, like cat makeup—you know, full face face makeup, everything. Like, you know, it was uncanny. It actually looked better than the Cats movie, which you know, admittedly, wouldn't take much. <laughs> it, it was an innocuous enough thing, but Severina commented on this on this reel, and she said that she had actually seen something like this when she was a kid, and I, I was kind of shocked. But I asked her if she could explain it a little bit more. And so th- this is what she said. She said, it was half cat fr- from the bottom, like the lower half and the upper half was human, but its skin was striped like tiger striped. He had cat ears with a gold ring through one ear and teeth like a large cat. I was five. I went into the spare bedroom where my great grandmother kept her candy in a baby crib. I reached into the crib and grabbed those damn dum dumb suckers and pulled them out. And I heard a growl behind me. She didn't have any pets, so it wasn't that. I turned and saw it him. I screamed and she came running. She came to the States after her husband was killed by the mob in Sicily. She spoke very little English. She was a practicing old school witch, not a Wiccan. I saw many things in her house that to this day still make me shiver when I think of them. One, thank you, Severina, for sharing. And two, that reminded me of my own experience being a kid, laying in the bed of my parents' room, and seeing this lineup of this procession of people walking up the stairs and walking down the hallway. And there was a period in my room when when I was a kid, I didn't like sleeping in my room. Mm. And what's interesting, I didn't think much of it. You know, I would kind of like fall asleep in my parents' room. And then when they came to bed, they would wake me up and I'd have to go to my room. But thinking about it now, that lineup of people I saw marching past, like slowly shuffling past my door, they would have been going down to my room. And one of the things I saw was... Like a, like a lion, man. It had like the top half of a lion, almost like the friendly lion or something, you know, mm-hmm. except it saw me seeing him and it started fucking with me a little bit. It never entered the room. It stayed in the hallway in line, but it kind of would, it turned towards me like, kind of like, you know, like doing <laughs> the claws and the whole thing. Yeah. And again, I, you know, I I always just kind of filed it away as I figured it must have been a dream, but it stuck with me so much that when I watched the film, Jackie Brown, Then they have a song on the soundtrack called, um, something, something vampire, like the vampire and the, and the lion or some, something like that. Uh, but it it involves this kind of like echoey sound and some guy making lions, lion noises. I was Mm. 14 when that came out. It scared the shit out of me because it (laughs) immediately put me right back there hearing this thing kind of making these sounds. I'd, I'd never, never made any sense of it. And then obviously when Severina sent her experience and I thought, shit, yeah, that was a thing that happened. And obviously I'm not the only person to see it. So that sort of inspired me to go looking for these other stories. And as we see, there's quite a few of them.
2: Yeah. I think often when you have things like this go on, for a lot of people that witness them, they don't talk about it because it's so outside of the box or what the the alleged rules are for what an encounter should include that they just get pushed aside. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about that before,
1: you know, this idea that, uh, You know, our our patron CT once said, you know, you never hear about ghosts in certain kinds of clothes, disco ghosts and things like that. (laughs) Yeah, And we sort of said, well, yeah, I mean, these stories are out there. It's just, they don't fit the main narrative, like the accepted narrative. So typically you don't hear about them as much, Mm -hmm. but they, they, they are definitely out there. And this
2: kind of seems the same way. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I know when you started, when you mentioned about doing this show, I presume we might be talking about encounters, you know, because obviously the most famous kind of paranormal creature that comes under a cat-like creature is the weir cat. Oh, I don't know that one. Well, the weir cat is essentially, uh, well, not a relative, but there are European countries which have a tradition of weir cats as well as werewolves. Okay. So it's basically humans that can change themselves into man-sized cats. Oh, okay. Interesting. Hmm.
1: I I mean, it could be that they have the same basis,
2: that legend has the same basis as
1: these things we're talking about.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It also goes back to mentioning Greek myths, stories of them. Um, Oh, wow. It's classed as um, dark magic from certain tribes in Africa as well, that people can turn themselves into man lions or man cats. Interesting. Huh. So again,
1: a very old tradition, but not one you hear about in popular paranormal discourse. I wonder if maybe this is sort of a pre where we're going to start seeing more of these, you know, just because it, it's usually whenever this stuff kind of comes all together like this, it usually means that there's part of like a larger
2: cultural wave that's just coming. Mm. Mm. And it's, it's always easy. The one thing that always annoys me about like when people have Hatman encounters, you know, like I was saying about the trickster explanation for it all being connected, you just go, oh, well, the Hatman phenomenon is purely sleep paralysis. Well, you know. I'm sure there's not lots of 14-year-olds around the world watching lots of crime noir films <laughs> at three in the morning. Isn't they? They're all watching the Maltese Falcon. I don't think they are.
1: <laughs> Watch Out of the Past, kids. It's a really great movie.
2: Or <laughs> The Untouchables or something. Well, I mean, come on. That's as ludicrous do... as thinking UFOs are ghosts who live with Bigfoot. Mm, yeah, well, Ludicrous, let's we well, a we'll pin in that. We'll come back to that.
1: But... Uh... <laughs> I do sometimes wonder what role places like Reddit play because, you know, sometimes we'll source stories from Reddit and other places online. And the one thing that I find troubling when I browse Reddit is a lot of people seem to take up creepypasta hmm. as truth. Yeah. So, they're, you know, like The Rake, for example, or Slender Man. These are examples of things which exist only from creepypasta. Mm-hmm. But you'll start seeing people saying, oh, I saw The Rake. And you think, okay, so either you are lying entirely or you thought you saw something because of what you've read here Mm. you know and i I do wonder sometimes if maybe just a bunch of kids are seeing like oh that the hat man they're they're reading about this and so that becomes a thing they report Mm.
2: yeah maybe i mean there is especially when it comes to slender man as well because there's a lot of people who are claiming that they've had encounters with the slender man but then you would then go well is this people hallucinating or creating an image of something that they've read and they are susceptible to such information.
1: Or, or you know, I guess if we want to be really generous, there's always the Wes Craven's New Nightmare hypothesis that um, the thing that creating the Slender Man just gave form to, an, to something that had been here for a long time. Hmm. You know, in, in Wes Craven's New Nightmare, they find out, it's very meta, you know, they find out that by making the Freddy films, they have given a form to this ancient evil that had existed formless for, for, for a very long time, but had taken the form of Freddy because it was such an effective avatar you know, by making mm-hmm. these movies. And so, you know, again, this, this is me being very generous to people who claim to have seen the Rake or Slenderman. You know, maybe creating Slenderman gave a, gave a form to something that had previously existed, but not in a way we could,
2: we could perceive. But then again, it's one of those aspects of it, especially when you deal with people who've seen weird things like like the Dover Demon or the Enfield Horror or, or one of my favorites, the Flatwoods Monster. Right. They just, the thing that makes those cases, or the Fresno Nightcrawlers even, the thing that makes these cases so special is that they're unique. So yeah. why aren't people reporting seeing things of that nature and yet something that's extremely well-known seems to be seen all over the place, even though there's no actual evidence that they are? Seeing these things, and yet we have verified witness accounts. More than one witness in all of those instances that are dismissed as people. You know, the Dover demon was supposed to be a, a white bear. One of the explanations oh, was, well. and obviously, the Fresno nightcrawler was dismissed as an owl in a tree. If you I mean, ignore, I, I, if I you ignore on, all the evidence, I, mean, I
1: mixed on the Fresno nightcrawler because, like, just having seen the one video, <laughs> I don't find that one video very compelling. It's cool though. It's very cool. It's very cool. But, you know, like- I think it's a very
2: clever hoax, personally. Do you think it's a very clever hoax? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I tend to agree. I'm not really frightened by sentient trousers.
1: (laughs) Depends on what those trousers have in mind. I I saw a movie called- It's a Canadian horror film called Slacks,
2: with two X's, about (laughs) uh, killer genes. And hey, those things were not to be trifled with. Well, to be fair, I've seen horror films about a lot of inanimate objects that can kill you. What's that one about that? Is it Tread? Not like the killer tire oh rubber rubber
1: <laughs> and one-eyed monster which is about a killer something else yes teeth teeth yep teeth can't forget teeth mm-hmm. killer condom mm-hmm. there's a theme here paul we're, <laughs> sort of, nah, we're circling the drain we better move on <laughs> snow beast snow beast snow beast there we go snow we'll bring things back up with snow beast <sighs> that was close so, yeah, so that was our, our lion, our, our strange animal themed episode, folks. If you have any stories like these, we would love to hear from you, or, or if you even have any cultural references that we haven't covered, let us know. guys at gmail.com, or you can call the ghost line at one 6920 Leave your comment, question, or story as one or a series of voicemails. And yeah, we would love to know because this is, again, this is fairly new. You know, this is like kind of up up there with uh, plaid people as far as like weirdness goes, and this is far less reported.
2: I'm deeply interested in in what we've discussed tonight because it's not something I'm very aware of at all. So I'm I'm fascinated by these. Yeah, me too. The, you know,
1: the, like I I enjoy stuff like shadow people and hat man, but you know, after a while, the stories you know, there's only so much variation. But when we have stuff like this, like yeah, phenomenon that we. Phenomena for which we don't have a lot of frame of reference and a lot of, you know, like a lot of other stories. It, I'm always interested in it. another thing is like, um, when we have things like, like the machine elves or the machine spiders, mm. I know the uh, the gals over on Haunted AF, they uh, which is a great show, by the way. If you're not listening to them, that you should listen to them, they're a lot of fun. Uh, but they did a story where they were talking about the machine spiders, mm. uh, I believe once or twice, and it's just a phenomenon that. I'm fascinated by it because it ties into DMT imagery, mm. which makes you wonder again is it, is it real? Is it a psychological construction? Is it a combination of the two? You know, it's fascinating shit. So, and this is why I
2: love paranormal podcasting. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's always, I mean, it's, it, it's cases like this and incidents like this that elevate Jeff the Mongoose, for example, to the level that that has. The Mighty Jeff. Alright, well
1: with with mention of Jeff the Talking Mongoose we conclude our Strange Animals episode of the show. We're going to take a quick break and be back with our Ghost Force shoutouts. there, listeners. Before you reach for that skip 15 seconds ahead button, I promise you this isn't an ad. We wanted to take a minute to talk to you about mental health. On this show, I've always tried to be as honest and open as possible about my struggles with depression and anxiety, because even though we've come a long way towards acknowledging the very real damage these things can do, there is still way too much lingering stigma about reaching out for help. And when you start to feel like there's no help, it's easy to start feeling like there's no hope. But Paul has joined me today to remind you there is always hope and there's always help.
2: We're not gonna try and talk you out of self-harming right now, because we know that's not how it works. Instead, what we wanted to do was tell you something now and hope that should things get bad, you'll remember it and make a phone call or send a text message before you make any permanent decisions. As someone who knows all too well, Just how important mental health can be, it's never too late to reach out.
1: In Canada, the number to call is 133-456-4566. In the USA, the number to call is 1-800-273-8255.
2: In the UK, the number to call is 116-123 or text SHOUT. That's S-H-O-U-T. To 85258. In Australia, the number to call is 131114.
1: However, bad shit seems, it will pass. And no matter what your brain might be telling you at any given moment, and believe me when I say I know this intimately, there are people who love you and people who care deeply about how you treat yourself. Should a time come when you find yourself despairing, Please know that we've both been where you are, and there is a way back to the world. Take care. Welcome back. As always, thanks to everyone in the Ghost Story Guys family, Luke Greensmith, Sarah Kent, Anthony Germain, and Joseph Camo, everyone who helps us do what we do. Don't forget to check out Luke's podcast, Luke Lore. He just hit episode 50 with an episode about the magic and mystery of cheese. You can find that everywhere fine podcasts live. And don't forget to check out Joseph's web show, In Search of Ghosts and the live stream he and I co-host, Weird Together. You want to hear me uh, rambling about various uh, up-and-coming horror films? That is the place to go. We just covered the, I think, brilliant found-footage horror comedy, 15 Things You Didn't Know About Bigfoot. Number one will blow your mind. It's a ton of fun, great movie, and you can find that over on the Ghost Story Guys YouTube channel. And of course, thanks to you, my friend and co-host, the paranormal Johnny Carson himself, host of Mysteries and Monsters, Paul Bestel. What's coming up on Eminem, Paul?
2: Well, this week we have the return of the mighty Chad Lewis, taking us on a paranormal road trip around Minnesota, which is a fantastic episode, and we cover haunted houses, UFO encounters, Wendigos, and the vampire of Winona.
1: Speaking of vampires, just briefly, the the song I was talking about earlier, I looked it up, Vampire Sound Incorporation. The song is called The Lion and the Cucumber.
2: Okay. Yes. I don't remember that particular track, though I have seen Jackie Brown more than once. I will will send it to you, but please continue. (laughs) Um, And then we are off to Lancashire on the hunt for some UK ghost stories that probably need more attention in the company of the marvellous Craig Bryant. Brilliant. And where can everyone find you online? You can find Mysteries and Monsters on all podcast platforms. And we're also Mysteries and Monsters across all your social media.
1: Brilliant. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as largely the truth. You can also find my interview podcast, largely the truth with Brennan store on podcast platforms everywhere. It's on hiatus for the summer because I have too much other shit going on to keep up with that as well, but uh, I will be back in the fall. And in the meantime, you can also catch me on weird together with Joseph Kamone. again, that the video for that is on the ghost story guys, YouTube channel. But if you want just the audio, then you can sign up as a patron and uh, ghost story guys, patrons get the audio version as well. Speaking of patrons. If you want to join the team, head to patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. That's patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. We have a fantastic community of folks. Really, we have the best patrons. We have the best listening audience generally, but we have the best patrons. Just kind, funny, intelligent people. And if you want to hang out with all of us, patreon.com slash ghoststoryguys. Get access to all kinds of bonus shit, extra episodes, uh, bonus material cut from the shows. There is dozens, hundreds of hours, I think at this point, of crap (laughs) in the the vault over at the Patreon. There's weekly episodes of Book of the Dead, host adventures, usually monthly episodes of me and Paul. Uh, Our Q&A we did last month was like two and a half hours long. Uh, All kinds of stuff. And then there's physical rewards, stickers, ringtones, all kinds of cool gear. And you can find that, as I've mentioned, at patreon.com slash ghost story, guys. But... There is a select club, Paul. There is. A very select club. And that is... Ghost Force. Ghost Force. (laughs) That's right. Every second episode, members of Ghost Force get thanked here, in this segment. Because by God, at this point, we've toughened up our throats enough we can take it. I don't like the way that sounds, Paul. I regret
2: saying it the way I said it. (laughs) They won't hold it against you. Oh, there we go again. It's all oh, it's getting worse. We're getting deeper. Nope, nope,
1: nope, nope. <laughs> okay, anyways. The members of Ghost Force are Atham Saragon. Amanda Strong. April Bowers. Beth Anton Cheryl Baker. Generic Bob. Anna Brown. Hannah Siemens. Hilary de Jit Moors. Moores. Jason R. Slaughter. Slaughter, 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 slaughter. slaughter. Jeanette Patterson. Jennifer
2: Mullen. Joseph Camo. Just Julie. Kimberly Hansen, Mara Noriega.
1: Mark Semmler. Mary Rose
2: W.W. Peter Guns, 08.5. The marvelous, animal-loving Rebecca Brink. Brink, Brink, Brink,
1: Brink. Br- 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 Sheen,
2: Richard Easeby.
1: And Ryan Hoskins! <sighs> you are the few. You are the spooky. You are Ghost Force. <laughs> oh God. For real, guys, thank you so, so much. You guys are crazy, and we love you for it. And if you want to have your name read out in that insano thing I just, that, we, that we just put together
2: there, well,
1: patreon.com
2: slash ghost We're just freestyling, baby.
1: That's right. It's all vibes. No <laughs> plans, only vibes. Love and light. All right. If you want to get in touch, ghost at gmail.com is the best way to do it. But you can always find us on social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter as ghost story guys. We're on Instagram as the ghost story guys. And we are on Reddit as r slash ghost story guys podcast. You can also find the ghost story guys soundtrack on Spotify. Just search for ghost story guys. You'll find it there. And that's a list of all our musical guests, uh, which we've had up to this point, which we probably won't have anymore because now we have rainy days for ghosts handling things for us, but uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. And if you want to get in touch, but you don't want to type, I've said it before. I'll say it again. You can always call the ghost
2: line.
0: There's something strange.
1: Thanks to Amber Pease for our ghost line jingle. That number is one 588 6920 Leave your comment, question, or story as one or a series of voicemails. I think the cutoff is three minutes. I'm trying to get trying to have that extended because it's a pain in the ass for you guys, but uh, right now they're capping us at three minutes. But we've had three brilliant stories come through, which we're going to be sharing on future episodes, and uh, we love, love, love hearing from you guys. So again, that's one 6920 and any news, Paul? Any any new uh, appearances scheduled?
2: Yes, hopefully, I shall be appearing on the Paranormal Pendle podcast in the next few weeks. So, hopefully, we'll be recording that shortly. So, should be out, I don't know, sometime in July, I presume.
1: Lovely. Well, we'll keep an eye on our social media. When that does come out, we will post it up. And, of course, we list all our appearances and other shows at ghostoryguys.com as well.
2: Yep. So I'll be covering all the ghost story, or some of most of my favorite ghost stories from Sheffield and the surrounding areas.
1: If you want to pick up some Ghost Story Guys gear, head to GhostStoryGuys.com. You'll find links there to all our uh, T Public and Redbubble stores. And if you do buy something, make sure to send us a message. We'd love to put a picture up on social media. Again, that's GhostStoryGuys.com. Follow a link to both T Public and Redbubble if you want to pick up some gear. There's T-shirts, mugs, stickers, all that good stuff. If you can, tell a friend about the show. We're hoping to grow our audience this year. We're having great results so far, and that that comes from you guys because reviews are wonderful and we certainly would appreciate those as well. But there is nothing that helps folks find a show they enjoy than a personal recommendation from a friend. So if you have a friend you think might be in a ghost story, guys, well, let them know. We'd appreciate it. And finally, we are going to be doing, uh, or very likely going to be doing a sort of greatest hits episode where we find some of the favorite stories from Ghost Story Guys episodes past, can be from any one of our seasons. And we're going to sort of touch up the story and retell them on the show, kind of reevaluate them. If you have a favorite story, shoot us an email, Guys at gmail.com. We'd love to know. I know we've we've already had votes for stuff like uh, the curious case of Bumble Buzz, which was from an old episode. There's a couple stories uh, from uh, others I can't recall off the top of my head, but we have had people write in. And so we would love to know what's your favorite story you'd like to hear me and Paul tell again? Mr. Skin. Can't forget Mr. Skin. <laughs> that name again is Mr. Skin. Anyways. Our theme song, Radio Into the Darkness We Go, is composed and performed by Peter onto Music. Find more from him at nightharvestrecordings.com or anywhere you stream your music. Our stories theme was written and performed by Hexagram. Find more from them, again, everywhere you get your music. And finally, our bumper music is composed specifically for this show by rainy days for ghosts find more from them at rainy days for and if you are looking to have music composed for your show make sure to get in touch with jerry jerry is open to commissions he is looking to uh he's looking to expand his empire so if you've got a podcast in search of original music check out rainy days for ghosts and i guess that's going to do it
2: well then we'll be back in a couple of weeks but until then into the darkness we go On a, on a quick tangent before we return to normality, um, <laughs> one of the uh, Art Bell shows that's recently dropped is Weird Nine One One. Right. Fucking hell, that's funny. Really? Yeah, it's a guy that's collect guy who used to write for Saturday Night Live, and he'd collected all these uh, these nine one one calls that people had come in. Right. Fucking hell, there's one called Cross Lines where somebody rings up going, "Hello there, my my alarm went off forty minutes ago," and. Uh, my friend, and my partner turned up there 10 minutes after, and then I rang you, and there's still no police officers there, and he's telling this operator about this. And then all of a sudden, he just did, fuck you. Fuck your alarm. Fuck you, motherfucker. <laughs> just some <laughs> random Like They get a cross line because apparently there was a lightning storm, <laughs> And he's like, who's that? This is the fucking police department, you fucking ass. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like this conversation was on for like three minutes. And this guy is trying, like, oh, my God, that's so weird. Did you hear that? Oh, my God. I was laughing. There was another one where a guy who'd been bound and gagged phones the police. And, whoa. <laughs> and this operator goes, I'm sorry, what? And her friend says, he says he's been bound and gagged and robbed. And you're like, how the fuck did she understand that? She's, she's like saying, Where do you, what's your name? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. And what's your address? <laughs> Walnut? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs>
1: Laro, you may not hold on to that as ba- as um, blackmail.
2: Yeah, I did that with a razorhead. I, I had the idea it was a completely different film till I watched it. And then I was like, oh, it's not that film I've seen. <laughs> Which one did you think it was? Uh, I, I don't know. Some really arty fucking horror film. But it wasn't that. I'm imagining it was Arnold Schwarzenegger's eraser. <laughs> no, I'm not fucking, fucking seen watching eraser this again. Before eraser came out, Go on, then. <laughs> fucking rail gun bullshit.
1: <laughs> Coincidentally, I watched the sequel last night. It's one of these direct-to-video action movies. It is uh, very bad. And, and who's the lead beefcake in that? Then, oh, he, he, I swear to God, he looks—he looks like the waiter who flirts with your grandma. I remember being at a rom zombie show and there was a used condom on the ground after, 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 after we left the pit and we thought how did you even pull that off I mean gross but in a way impressive I had a bad case of the vapors that's right that wasn't fair I, was, I wasn't feeling very sausage man <laughs> that was a North American thing in the 80s
2: sausage
1: <laughs> does anyone remember sausage am I the only one
2: bogus Dude. Gnarly. Radical. I,
1: I, was, I was reading an interview with someone, and they used the phrase shred the gnar, and I wanted to jump through the screen and strangle them.
2: <laughs> 1988.
1: Right? Yeah.
2: Tubular. <laughs> Speaking of fucking Ninja Turtles. Bodacious. <laughs> I remember no. I once a teacher stopped me at school and said, are you wearing a denim shirt? Best all. And I went, no, sir, it's just cotton. He went, all right. <laughs> was denim? Of course, it was.
1: <laughs> you present blue? yourself with enough authority, people just believe you. Yeah, it's blue. I wore a denim shirt once, and this girl I liked said to me, mm, "That's not good." And I, I, I never wore it again. <laughs> <laughs> Vanished. I will say, I, I've noticed whenever I come back from out of town, and it doesn't matter how long it is. Obviously, it's been a while since I've been out of town, especially on my own. But uh, you know, when I was. I was in Calgary for a day longer than Nick. I came home. The apartment always smells so much better when I'm not here.
2: There's a brilliant Bigfoot symposium from the 80s, I think it is, where there's two guys, one who's, there's two cryptos, I've forgotten the names now off the top of my head, but one of them's that Bigfoots are aliens camp, and one of them's that Bigfoots are hominid. And uh, to say the atmosphere between them was icy would be an understatement. I just like to imagine at some
1: point they're fighting, they're fighting, they're fighting, they're fighting, and then Careless Whisper starts playing and they kiss. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all out love. And that's so how Bigfoot
2: different. Erotica was born. There's a whole genre here we're not mining yet, Paul. I think some, there's plenty of people mining that particular vein of crap. <laughs> that's true. God. That's true. The most Not to say we shouldn't discoveries cry. of my life. <laughs> and I've seen things.
1: <laughs> Folks, we're, I wish I could share it with the haunted look in Paul's eyes when he said that. <laughs>
2: like Rutger Hauer on Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, One day yes. I want to see you and me at a, drunk at a paranormal convention <laughs> and just see what kind of trouble we can get into with the things we say. <laughs> look, look, I've got in a headlock let me go let me go oh is you your tough <laughs> eat more ground beef you fucking schmuck yeah we're gonna get <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna make
2: watch <laughs> hey watch this shit this is the real chariot of the gods
1: laro i i don't even know what to say to you man i'm sorry